I'm Michael Beck, the host of the Mike the Mike podcast. If you've been following along with me, it's great to have you back here again. And if you're listening in for the first time, welcome. This is a place to talk about the arts as well as personal well-being. Sometimes I'll talk more about art, while other times I'll talk more about mental and physical health. But regardless of the topic, I hope to encourage greater openness and understanding as I seek to better understand myself and the things and people around me. In just a moment, you're about to hear a conversation between myself and David Smith. David is a very dear friend of mine. Well, I can't speak for him. Uh, for me, if I remember correctly, he quickly became one of my closest and best friends. Beyond having much shared commonality, he was the type of guy that had been sorely missing, perhaps especially at that time. David is a man of integrity, compassion, and faithfulness. And those things I've been most grateful for while I was experiencing every manner of trial and strife. I've tried to keep the podcast balanced while also keeping it genuine and transparent. And I'm sure people have uh, very depends on how well I manage that. But if you've been following along with me for any length of time, uh, you no doubt know uh, some of what I'm referring to. And while David has been behind the scenes, you might say he has not been introduced until now. He has been a huge support. And I have been truly privileged to have David in my corner with his patience and understanding. He's a person who I've shared many thought-provoking conversations with, which have meant a great deal to me. For these reasons, it is now with great pleasure that I'm able to share one of our conversations with you. But yeah, man, thanks again so much for joining me. <laughs> like, it feels like this has been like at least a year sort of since we've like talked about like, you know, I made the invitation and, and I was very glad that you were like willing and, um, and yeah, we think here, yeah, because we, I asked you and you're willing and then like it was kind of we were just kind of trying to figure out like what to actually talk about right like because i as much as be it would be you know nice for both of us to shoot the breeze i don't know how that would be for the 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 listeners so we kind of wanted to come up with a a specific topic and um i don't know if we had any ideas prior to talking about linguistic diversity but we kind of you had the opportunity that just kind of seemed like the, the perfect topic, you know. Um, yeah, I'm glad we're finally getting to do this. I um, I know we, I think the first date we actually sat down on the calendar was back in February. <laughs> and that's then, right. That's and right. We, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> here yeah. we are right here. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Ah, dang, dang COVID. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe before we get into, so sort of the, the meat of the topic, maybe starting off, yeah, well, like, uh, want to go ahead and sit, introduce yourself for those uh, listening. Yeah, uh, well, it's good to be here, Michael. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm David Smith. I live in southeastern Virginia, just about an hour away from you, as you know. Mm -hmm. And um, I currently work as an, an accountant at a nonprofit um, in the Northern Neck and Middle Peninsula area of Virginia. Um, but I have a master's degree in applied linguistics. And um, so both of those, um, both of those are passions that I have. They both kind of scratch the same analytical itch. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And um, so definitely the, you know, the, from, from your school have expertise in, in the linguistics, but I, I wanted to, I don't want to assume that other people know like what linguistics is. I think it's not really a term that you hear that often. So would you maybe like, how would you define like what that, what that is? 
Sure. Yeah, I I think it's a pretty um, niche area of study, but um, linguistics is just the study of language. But um, I know that that is a lot to unpack. It's um, you know every aspect of language, and we're not talking about a specific language. We're talking more about language in general, right? Um, whether that be grammar, um, whether that be sound systems that language is used, or it may be how language functions in society. Um, for instance, how you talk with your family as opposed to how you talk at work, um, mm -hmm. different things like that. Very cool. And then I think we I'm, we might have talked about it before, kind of off you know offline, but how would you say you sort of got introduced, if you can remember that, like introduced kind of the concept of linguistics or how did you maybe, I wonder how that kind of speaks to like your personality. Like, what do you think it's, you know, like why were you, have you been drawn to that, do you think? Yeah, well, I think two things. Um, I've, I've always been drawn to um, studying languages, specific languages, um, particularly French for whatever reason. Mm. Yeah. Just, just always interested in that, as well as learning about different cultures and wanting to travel. Um, but I found that I also, like I said earlier, just I do have a very analytical mind. Um, yeah. So um, it just I think it sort of fit together. Um, whenever when I went into college, I went in thinking that I would go overseas and teach English in France. Mm -hmm. um, so my very first TESOL class teaching English as a second language, that is, um, was an introduction to linguistics course. And that's where um, my life kind of changed academically, if you will. Yeah. Uh, that I realized that was my true passion. So I kind of, yeah, took a different branch and headed in that direction. Yeah. So initially maybe thinking more of sort of the, the teaching side of things. But then kind of like realizing that there's more sort of the 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 analysis of like language itself. And yeah, it's really cool how, you know, think of yeah, like your your analytical mind, but also that kind of like, yeah, combines with your um your your interest in just different cultures and so much of culture um is like like language, right? And I'm sure we'll get into that. But yeah, that's that's really cool that you found this like niche that feels really appropriate to, to you and your specific passions. And so maybe, yeah, we can even like get into, so how did sort of it come about that you were, had this opportunity um, at your work, um, maybe like one or two occasions to, to speak on uh, linguistic diversity? Yeah, so um, it actually, it came about, um, it came about because I, I heard about an instance incident at my work where um, we we provide services to um, low-income senior citizens in our mm -hmm. area. Yeah. And um, I heard that a person that goes to my church was actually assessed for services. And during her assessment, um, she had um, she had been apparently given a list of words to read or a script to read. And based on the way that she read that script, she was assessed as having a, I believe it was a seventh grade education, mm. um, even though she has a high school diploma. Right. Um, so that that just concerned me because 
I don't believe that, um, you know, your pronunciation to name one thing mm -hmm. um, is necessarily correlated with your level of education. You know, I, right. I have a master's degree, for instance, but I intentionally make choices about um, my linguistic identity, how I want to say things based on what's important and valuable to me. That doesn't necessarily mean that I, you yeah. know, don't have that level of education. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, um, hearing that, I just, I talked about that incident with, um, with someone higher up in my company and, um, I was invited to share information about linguistics and linguistic diversity. And, um, it was, um, did the presentation a couple times and it mm -hmm. was, um, just really great. I, I felt that everyone who's present on the call was engaging with the material um, because we're all speakers of language. And I, right. I think like, um, I think we're all sort of fascinated by language and linguistic differences. I mm -hmm. think I hear people, you know, talk about dialects quite often in conversation. That's not my right. Opinion, so it was a good time. Yeah, that's great. And so, I imagine this probably wasn't your first kind of the first time that you sort of thought of or like when we're like introduced to like um, this this idea of like uh, linguistic diversity. Like, was that something that you kind of you got bits of like through your schooling or was that something that came later? Or like, how did you kind of come to this idea of like linguistic diversity? Because like the first time you brought it up to me, I was like, I, I've never really certainly like have thought of it like in the back of my mind, but didn't know that it was like a that was like a thing like I think especially now more than ever we talk about like diversity as like an idea and a concept but not really specifically to the the language component of it right um and you know like I like I was just saying I think that we all kind of think about diversity in a way you know when we talk about differences and we're interested in how like, oh, there's maybe someone from New York or California mm -hmm. or something. And, oh, they say things differently than us. How right. interesting. That's probably as deep as it goes most of the time. Right. But um, in, I think it was, it was probably in college. I went to school um, at a small Christian college in upstate New York. And um, just probably realizing the differences in my own speech that I had from the other students, um, my friends, and yeah. even being discriminated against a little bit myself, <laughs> maybe unintentionally by my friends. Um, mm. For instance, um, one of one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite um, features of Southern English generally is um, if you have. So the words P-I-N and P-E-N um, for mainstream American English speakers, we would pronounce those differently, uh, pin and pen. But mm. me, myself, I say them the same. I would say I write with a pen because that's yeah. just how I was grow how I grew up. That's how my family says that. And that's common for Southern speakers. But I didn't right. realize that I had that feature until I got to college and I had friends who were saying, oh, 
do you write with a pen, David? Do you write with a pen? Do you need a pen? You know, I'm like, what are you talking about? And then it, you know, you become aware of those differences that you have right. that others don't. Right. It's not something that you even thought about until it's brought into your attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the beginning for sure. And then becoming aware of um more aware of how everyone is speaking differently. Um, but then I think you might be heading this direction, like the value of linguistic diversity. And I think one of the, um, something that's very central to linguistics is the idea that language, dialects, whatever they may be, these varieties, they're not better than one another. They're simply different. Mm-hmm. simply different from one another and have different rules that govern them. Whereas we might feel like a certain language or dialect represents a lower education level or a different right. social class. It's merely different. And it's a variety is just used arbitrarily by one class and not another, another one people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And yeah, it's like interesting how, it seems like maybe there's a bit of a fine line there where like our like the way that we speak speaks so much to like our identity at the same time. It's like how much do we want to be identified with it? You know, like I don't know what do you sort of like make of that. I'm trying to think of what even I'm trying to say with that, but like it's like, um, hmm. it's like yeah, like we, like you said, like you're like saying, you know, pen, <laughs> uh, pen. Um, that's just like something that like speaks so much to like uh, your what you're come from and like your background. And even if like, you know, knowing that you, you like you, there's a different way of saying it, you, you still say it your way because that's 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 your way of saying it. Right. Like, but at the same time, like you don't you, like want people to sort of like uh, read too much into like, you know, as you said, like it's just it's just simply another way of speaking it doesn't need to be good it doesn't need to be bad it just it just is you know sort of the neutrality of it um right yeah and i think um that's something that i find so fascinating this would be the world of sociolinguistics how language functions in society and content mm-hmm. how we're whether consciously or subconsciously, I believe we're constantly making decisions about how we speak based on the people we're around or what is important to us. Um, And so one great example I have of that is um, there are two members of my family who grew up in North Florida, lived years in the same town community. And um, over time, they both moved up to this area of Virginia. And Mm -hmm. one of them has, you know, pretty well lost his accent that he had from North Florida, and he's Mm -hmm. adapted to the speech in this area. Mm -hmm. And um, he's, he's actually told me that um, he's, he's been a pastor, and that he that was more or less a conscious decision, Mm. he made to affiliate with the people um, in this community. Right. However, the other person, when she moved up, she has she's been here more than 10 years and has more or less retained her way of speech. And I believe that that is simply her expressing her 
um, how central where she comes from is to her identity. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's not saying, um, I don't want to be here or I don't like this, but it's saying like, Hey, this is really, really important to me. So I'm mm-hmm. going to embrace that in the way that I speak. Yeah. It is interesting to see from person to person. And that's a great example of two people coming from the same exact place and diverging in, in their choices. And, um, but yeah, I think it is, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see how people do sort of choose differently and I guess, yeah, again, maybe not to say, that one's necessarily right or wrong, but I think it is the, the tricky bit of that is sort of the, you know, it's one thing for the individual to choose for themselves, but it's differently, I guess, when that's sort of impor- imposed upon them that, hey, like I've, I've moved here, now I have to. It's assumed that I'm going to simulate my speech uh, with the rest of everyone else here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think. Uh, that's that's kind of getting getting into the negative side of things. I think that there are there are certainly, you know, as much as we're praising linguistic diversity here mm-hmm. and extolling it, um, you know, that's unfortunately not the reality of our society at large today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there there definitely are expectations for how you should speak, mm-hmm. um, and you know. If you're at work, for instance, the kind of language that you might use there, or I always think when I'm writing an email, using y'all is that is very comfortable to me. And mm-hmm. I think to myself, should I use all y'all in a professional email? Right. Um, you know, me myself, I consciously make that decision to use y'all because that's important to me. But I'm sure mm-hmm. there are plenty of others who would say that that is not professional. Right. Yeah. Mm. It's such a, I guess, like, yeah, like sort of the mental gymnastics of like walking through it. And uh, yeah, I can, I can only imagine like depending on the, the individual, sort of just the more sort of hurdles you have to, to go through to sort of like think, okay, like what's, you know, what's, what's appropriate or like what's going to give me sort of, I guess, you know, what's going to smooth things over and kind of make for the best outcome, you know, exactly. and the least, least amount of tension. Yeah, That's exactly right. And, um, you know, I'm even thinking about there, there are certain professions um, such as uh, broadcasters, you know, if you, right. if you want to be on um, whatever it may be, NBC News, CNN, Fox, what have you, um, and to be there on the television, like talking to people, I, I mean, you're not going to be allowed to use a non-standard variety, you know, mm-hmm. I'll hear someone who has hints of a regional dialect, but mm-hmm. pretty rarely, pretty rarely is that something that's going to prevent you from, you know, moving forward in that field, to be honest. Yeah. And this kind of popped into my mind. I know there's sort of the 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 word is on the tip of my tongue, sort of the the like the language kind of like globally that's like the most like horrific. Like English, you know, seems to be the most widespread spoken language. But uh uh it seems like yeah, is is there's like there's kind of like kind of globally sort of like the most kind of common speech. It seems like even like within a nation there kind of is or like sort of the the 
like the, the sort of the dialect within that like language that seems to be the most sort of, mm. I guess, globally. And I don't really know how that comes about, but it, it seems almost like sort of the maybe more of sort of the Midwestern speech is kind of the most kind of um, common that I've heard that that gets used. I don't know if you any thoughts on that or if you've experienced that. Yeah, um, you maybe I think in. Um... In my education, we talked about a standard dialect. I think that's a that's probably a pretty common term or mainstream, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's it is generally thought to be um, standard American English is generally thought to um, match up with Midwestern speakers mm -hmm. um, varieties. That's um, I wouldn't say that's totally true because i've heard plenty of midwesterns who have strong regional dialects that do right. not match up <laughs> right <laughs> but um yeah that's a tricky one to parse out because i i believe i would say there are standard speakers all over the country i'm mm -hmm. not really sure who that would be native for i almost wonder i i don't really know the answer to this myself i almost wonder if it's more kind of socially constructed kind of a um mm -hmm. i don't know what i want to say not even a native dialect perhaps but one that was kind of created to be devoid of marginalized aspects of different mm -hmm. dialects yeah but it's been around so long that i'm sure there are people who speak it natively now yeah but yeah that really that is really fascinating though like whether it was someone who actually spoke it or, or whether it was kind of more socially constructed it is like yeah we do have like like even yeah with like in our own country um even if you kind of think of like i don't know whatever would be like native um you know speaking people like there's so much variety and yet we've kind of like narrowed it down to generally kind of this this conception of like what is you know the the common way of thinking or speaking and like the way i said like in broadcasting where that's like and it's like on some level i can see the um like the application of that like you do want people to you know from wherever they are to be able to like understand and not struggle um but it does seem like it has its its limitations right yeah it's um I can definitely see that, and um, that is an argument. Um, I would argue that for most for most dialects um, of American English, that we probably probably wouldn't be too difficult to understand. I think maybe we're just not not very exposed to other dialects and mm -hmm. that might that might get into sort of the solution of this linguistic diversity problem all right well if you've been following along with me on the podcast then you know the drill i'm just taking a moment here to invite you to share this episode with a friend or loved one who you think might appreciate it but other than that virtually any way that you can interact with the podcast rather be to like and or comment on one of my posts or to share it or save it all these seemingly small things can go a long way in helping to support my work. 
And at the end of the day, regardless of potentially helping to promote the channel, you're just choosing to let me know that you find what I'm doing worthwhile and that it's worth continuing. And lastly, and only if you have the means, if you'd like to show your appreciation through a donation or you'd like to buy me coffee, you're welcome to visit mikethemike.wordpress.com forward slash support. And you can find a link to that address on my website in the episode's description, as well as in the link in my bio of my Instagram. All right, now back to my conversation with David. I don't mm-hmm. think that we're exposed to many dialects or when they are, you know, right. where they're painted as don't speak this way or this is wrong. Right. Um, but yes, for sure, that can be an issue. Right. So the, yeah, it's like almost, yeah, like we limit our own capacity, like in some way it's like you, like there's the thinking of like, oh, like if we have somebody with a different dialect, people like won't be able to understand what you said, maybe we're not giving ourselves enough credit. Like maybe we, you know, (laughs) if we give ourselves the opportunity, we would do just fine. And yeah, maybe there's the opportunity there that, uh, you know, if we had people in broadcasting and whatnot to speak in, you know, at least marginally differently that, that we could actually have, there's an opportunity there to, um, I don't know if normalize is the, is the correct word to use there, but yeah, to just like, just get it, like get more in the scope of like the fact that there is like such diversity within the states of like ways of speaking. Um, and like, yeah, it doesn't like, it's something that we can, uh, you know, understand and comprehend and it, yeah, it doesn't have to be, uh, a, a negative thing but yeah i think it is it's yeah it's it's tricky when you like grow up in a certain area with you know so many similar things and you you get this idea of like it's all the same and it's all good because it's all kind of the same and so if anything's different then well um you know that must not be that must be lesser than or you know because you know this is what we do this is how we do things and this is the right way to do things right right and it's 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 so normal to you know think that way i think mm-hmm. and i guess from what i've heard but i'd be curious to hear so at least i know for you you've done you've done some international travel i've i've been to canada i don't even i just went over to the falls i don't know that that hardly counts um but yeah i mean it seems like i know diversity in general is is an issue internationally so i guess i can only imagine that um, linguistic diversity as well is, is a struggle there as well. Um, I guess I'd be curious, like what in different countries, what they kind of, you know, how we kind of like lean, I guess, towards like whatever this kind of like Midwestern kind of socialized conception of like, you know, the general speaker, I wonder what other kind of countries have like settled on to, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't have a lot of expertise in that, but um, you know, certainly I think about um, the UK and just um, mm-hmm. just how many different um, varieties of speech there are in such a small area. Yes. That always <laughs> fascinates me. Um, yeah, and I believe it's um, received pronunciation over there that they would call sort of their standard, maybe the BBC way of speaking, if you will. What is it called? A received pronunciation. Okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, and I mean, just thinking 
about comprehension again. Um, I mean, if I'm listening to BBC, I I don't have any problem understanding what people are saying. But mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite examples is whenever I watch the Harry Potter films, mm-hmm. I I frequently have to turn on subtitles for Ron specifically. Okay, okay, yeah. I'm not sure why. It's just yeah. Ron, he's the most difficult for me to understand what he's saying sometimes. Yeah, um, sure, yeah. Or even... Um, yeah, I, I have visited um, the United Kingdom a few years ago. And I also remember there was an instance where um, I went with my family and we flew into London, spent a few days in that area, and then took a train up to Edinburgh. And when we got, we were leaving the train station in Edinburgh in Scotland, and there were there were a couple of ladies on the escalator just above me. Um, and, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I'm a linguist and this is so cool. And, you know, I wonder what language they're speaking. And I was, I thought, ah, you know, I bet they're speaking maybe an Eastern European language. Yeah, that must be it. And then about 10 seconds later, I heard an English word and quickly realized they were actually speaking a dialect of English that I was Mm -hmm. just not familiar with. It was just so different that it took me a while to realize it. So it's, yeah, it's it's crazy just in English around the world how mm-hmm. um, how different <laughs> varieties are. <laughs> it is so funny. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because kind of yeah, going into sort of English seeming like you know the most kind of widespread um, you know spoken language. Yeah, they're like across the globe. You have so many different variations of it, not even just in in the states. And yeah, it's. I, I definitely think I've I've run into the same thing where you're like you, someone's talking and it's like oh yeah they're speaking a different language and you like you listen further and it's like oh no it's just <laughs> it's just English yes but I think yeah maybe to the to the earlier point of like you can like acclimate yourself like you know the more you listen the more you do catch on and so I think there is yeah an opportunity there for us to to be exposing ourselves and I think the same thing with like specifically with like the UK, I know I've kind of gotten more turned on to like, like British comedy and things. And I think earlier on, especially it was, it was tricky, uh, trying to understand, but I think the more that I tuned into it, the more I kind of had at least a little bit of an ear, um, from what they were saying. But I, I do think to your point also of like Ron, and I think it's still, you'll find individuals, um, that for some reason, you know, are just, to your specific ear is more challenging, but um, yes. yeah, hopefully the more time that you can, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe do a little bit of a, a Ron or I'm try- what's the name of the actual actor? Um, shoot. Oh man, I'm blinking too. <laughs> <sighs> um, <laughs> um, I'll call right, us the actor. <laughs> Appreciate <laughs> Um, but maybe, yeah, do so like a specific study on him and maybe see if, uh, listening to him further will, uh, you know, if you can not use the subtitles and see if you'll, how you do. Yes. <laughs> mm. But, um, yeah, I wonder if we want to kind of go this direction, but yeah, even sort of, I know that we've talked, you know, a bit about sort of like broad sort of like concepts of like masculinity and like what that means and what that looks like. But I know even sort of 
looking at sort of like, you know, different ways of like that, like a man can speak and how that sort of like can be, um, you know, interpreted. Um, I don't know if you wanted to touch on, on that at all or how maybe that relates to you, like specifically what you've experienced. Sure. Uh, well, to get it off my head, uh, Rupert Grant, it just came to me. Yes. Well done. Well done, sir. <laughs> so I have to, um, yeah, get my Harry Potter cred back. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, um, and I think that was, you're going to your question. I think that's a, that is a point I wanted to bring up. So I think, I think we are prone to you know, we're prone to stereotype, not just with language, with many different things. And I mm -hmm. think language, language is just one of those. And so when we hear a person speaking a certain way, we assume they must be a certain way. Or mm -hmm. we, we feel like we know a little bit about their character, something like that. Um, so for instance, um, you know, and it, it it can be flattering, but it cannot be flattering as well. Mm -hmm. I just I think about um, how people with southern accents are depicted in media, and um, there can be positive traits. I've heard that um, southern accents people generally feel that those people are trustworthy and honest, but then mm -hmm. there are negatives. Um, they're thought of as just being slow and backwards, right? right. Um, uneducated, and so. You know, none of those are really helpful. We no. we just need to kind of get to know the person, um, mm -hmm. not make assumptions about them. Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought that up. I don't mean to interject, but yeah, like on the 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 topic of you know, um, southern and speaking slowly. I actually even uh, when like not even that far, like driving from um, sort of more southern Virginia to to northern Virginia. Um, there's kind of almost like, I don't know what the, the, where the invisible line is, but you cross it and, and people speak differently. And I had, uh, a housemate that I lived with and he's also from Southern, uh, Virginia and he could pick up on, uh, my way of speaking without like me saying, he's like, oh, I knew you're from Southern Virginia cause you like talk slower, um, than other people. And I just thought, oh, that's, I thought those were like really interesting. And I, like, of course I didn't realize this as like, oh, I spot, you know, I, I speak the same as, as the rest of everyone here, but no, apparently, you know. Um, he was able to pick up on it, but yeah, to your point, like it can, like, you know, the, even the pacing of how you speak, um, can, can be for some indicator or perceived as being, um, yeah, some sort of idea of like what their intel intelligence level is. Um, and, and what a funny thing that is to, <laughs> to, to think that the, the, the pace of which you say things, you know, somehow equates to, you know, what's going on in your head. <laughs> Yes. And the capacity. Yeah. yeah. It's it's it is so interesting, but you're right. I mean, there are such subtle aspects of language we don't even think about that can be indicators of, you know, our background, where we're from, who our social group is, what have you. Um, but you were speaking about um conversations we've had about masculinity and um you know how we perceive how we perceive masculinity and what what a man is like and mm -hmm. um you know i was going to mention that because of inflections that i use in my voice or i think i have a 
generally a higher pitch than maybe some mm -hmm. and um some people have assumed that i'm gay just because of that mm -hmm. um you know so again we we just all make these assumptions but we're i think we need to more so be focused on getting to know the people and not just throwing yes. them into boxes just based on the way they speak you know um it yeah. could totally be right you mm -hmm. could hit the nail on the head um, because <laughs> You know, if if I speak with a southern accent or use aspects of a southern accent, then probably I do have some sort of background or affiliation right. with South. But then there are plenty of people with no connection to South that say y'all, um, mm -hmm. you know, in other subgroups around the country. So not necessarily. Now, perhaps this goes without saying, but I wanted to take a brief moment here to try and make a few clarifying points, which I thought of in hindsight in the hopes of avoiding any unnecessary misunderstanding. With this conversation, David and I were making a conscious decision to try and keep things more generalized, primarily due to time constraints, but also, as we talk about, not wanting to make assumptions and speak for anyone else. I find that it's a tricky tightrope to walk, and choosing how general or specific to speak on things, and no matter what you choose, you run the risk of stepping on other people's toes regardless. Keep things too ambiguous, and we can glean all sorts of meanings that weren't actually intended and endorsed. So for the sake of trying to avoid any unnecessary confusion, I wanted to speak plainly about what David and I are and are not trying to speak to here. In speaking to the shadow side of linguistic diversity, we as people can make assumptions about others based on the way that they speak, and can form in our minds stereotypes and caricatures. And one stereotype that is held leads people to make assumptions about a person's sexual preferences based on how they speak, and this is not helpful for anyone to assume one way or the other. But in the particular example that David gives, it's offensive for someone to assume that you're gay when you're not, just because you speak in a certain manner. This is all that was meant and intended. I think that I made the mistake of trying to broach this specific example by using the term masculinity. I understand that there are separate distinctions between the concepts of masculine, feminine, and gender, and sexual preference, and we are not speaking to that here, and we are also not wishing to speak disparagingly about homosexuality. To do so would be rather ironic and a detriment to our conversation on diversity and the appreciation of diversity. But furthermore, this would not be in line with the mission of this podcast and seeking to encourage greater openness and understanding. All right, well, that's all that I wanted to say. Now, back to the conversation with David. Yeah, and yeah, it's an interesting kind of... Because, yeah, they're like... Um, I'm trying to track my line of thinking. You got me there. I, I like, yeah, I think there was like... I'm going back to like, you know, British, you know, um, things that I've like watched and there's like certain things that they say that I've like appreciated. Like I appreciate some of their ways of speaking and I've always been like tempted to like incorporate that into slightly like some of my speech, um, but have been like kind of like wary of like how I would even go about that because, you know, that could seem a very strange thing. Um, or I don't know, even I guess I don't know if that kind of runs into sort of the kind of appropriation, you know, kind of conversation, but it's like, do I have even like being not British, do I have like a right to like use like some of that dialect? Like, what does that say if I, if I choose to speak that way, not kind of, you know, being separate and other than, you know, um, 
I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, that's um, that's a pretty complex point too. Um, I'm someone who I love to put on accents and dialects. I mm -hmm. just to try to imitate, but more and more I've realized that that can be offensive, mm -hmm. um, especially. You know, especially if you're doing it around people who that is their native way of speaking. Right. Um, it's it is quite awkward. You're kind of trying to put on their identity. Right. Um, yeah. And um, and that's something that I have found even like highlighting another person's way of speech, whether you're doing it in a positive or negative way mm. is not really something you should do because you're kind of shining a spotlight on them which can can mm. make them uncomfortable right i'm glad you brought that up yeah yeah we just uh we need to be careful about that but yeah so getting back to um what you were saying about incorporating aspects into your own speech um yeah i guess I don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with that because we ourselves are, I, I would say, we're all sort of a blend of different social groups, people groups. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would say maybe maybe it goes to the intention. Um, yeah. You know, certain, sometimes there's a maybe a word spoken in a different dialect that i like or i think it conveys a meaning that i don't have somewhere else mm -hmm. my language or something i might find it helpful um trying to think if i can think of an example of that um i think i believe this is a britishism i'll sometimes say um i'm gonna nip into the store really mm. quick um, yeah it just means to i don't know to go somewhere quickly to do something, you know, yeah. Not even sure how to um how to express that in my own. Yeah, yeah. Dialogue. I don't know, but you know, with with all these kind of decisions, we we should do them sensitively. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah, to to yeah think about them and be conscious of it. I think uh, I think uh, kind of going back to sort of the the accents and maybe not always being appropriate i think there maybe is kind of a difference if you're just maybe just speaking the word itself versus actually like saying it in a certain way maybe um like i'll have these you have that word that you used you didn't say any particular way you just said the word itself i think in the words that i've been um at least thinking about incorporating i, I don't try to say them a particular way um i just do appreciate the words i think um one specifically that comes to my mind is when we go on a, a period of time, like away from like work, you know, I guess where that's, you know, the, the staycation at home or if we're going in a way, we call that a vacation. Um, and, and as far as I've, I've heard, often people in the UK will call that going on holiday. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't know why, um, but something about that, I just, I appreciate like, um, because it is like a, it is like a holiday of sorts, right? It is a sort of a celebration of, 
um, you know, a change of pace and, uh, and yeah, so I, so I like that. So. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's a good example. Um, I think maybe related to this, um, conversation I wanted to bring up. So when I got back from college, I actually went through a phase where I thought that my speech, you know, I'm, I have a very strong Southern identity, mm-hmm. but I didn't think that that was reflected in my speech. Um, mm-hmm. And so when I got back from college, I actually was trying to force a very strong Southern accent. Oh, so you uh, went the would, reverse rather than trying to suppress it. You tried to go all in. Right. And I would even, I was even using pronunciations and words that were not natural to my speech. I would say, mm-hmm. all right, up mm-hmm. here, take a right and we'll, you know, mm-hmm. go to the store or something. I don't know what it may yeah. have been, but it was not native to me. And then my parents, um, they very wisely um, said, I should have known this, but, you know, um, I'm thankful I had them in my life to tell me there isn't one way to speak Southern. Mm-hmm. You know, there isn't, that doesn't necessarily, the way you speak, um, yeah, I, I kind of fell into the same trap that I was trying to avoid, you know, mm-hmm. and saying that there is only one way of speaking Southern and having that Southern identity. but. Um, you know, whether other people can tell or not doesn't mean that I don't have a Southern identity, right? Mm-hmm. I yeah. think, yeah, there's something to be said for just being being who you are and being mm-hmm. authentic, for sure. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And, and I also, I remember having this funny narrowing where in college I and this wasn't only related to language, which it was also culture, where I started out saying, telling people, because I was in New York, and people would say things like, in the South, do you always eat biscuits with every meal? <laughs> do you always um, have uh, double names? I said, what, are, what do you mean double names? Oh, like mm-hmm. Billy Bob or Sally Mae, you know, oh. <laughs> just, but you know, Sometimes we we don't know better. So, I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to judge them for asking, but I found myself going from, you know, first I'll say, no, we don't do that in the South. And then I realized, oh my goodness, I'm speaking for quite a large area when I'm trying to inform people on my culture. And so I said, oh, well, no, this is how we do it in Virginia. Then I realized, oh gracious, there are (laughs) plenty of parts of Virginia I haven't been to. And so I started saying, well, you know, in King and Queen County. And then even then I realized I'm speaking on behalf of a bunch of people. So really Mm. you can only speak on behalf of yourself. You know, we, yeah, (laughs) honestly, we, I would argue, we all have every single person has a unique way of speaking. You know, we all Mm. have a unique combination of pronunciations or, um, grammatical constructions, words we like to use. We're Mm -hmm. all sort of formed by, all these different social groups and people that are, you know, influencing us. So I think yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's really beautiful. There's, 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 there's a lot to unpack there. Um, but yeah, I really, um, 
and that goes kind of back to a, a previous conversation that I've had maybe sort of on sort of neutral language. Um, but yeah, the, the idea of sort of like not wanting to speak for others. Um, I think I, yeah, I really yeah, resonate and I appreciate that, that like really we can like, like you said, there's like, there's even with our own, like very like specific, like town or like region, there's still going to be a manner of diversity. And so like, really we can only speak for ourselves and, um, and, and yeah, so, and but also, um, just thinking of sort of, the kind of the personal contentment of, of just having our own way of speaking and, and coming to, to value and appreciate that is, is again, like a part of our identity, but can be, you know, again, like, a can be seen as, as, as a, you know, a beautiful thing to be like, Hey, this is how I speak. It's, it's unique and it's, it's different. And, but it's, you know, it's, it's my voice. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, mm, yeah. So good. <laughs> I would just say, yeah, to anyone, to anyone listening who wants to kind of help out with linguistic diversity, because I think mm -hmm. we we have a long way, um, a long way to go before yes. we're yes. at a point where mm -hmm. we, you know, aren't judging or stereotyping people. I think just, um, yeah, being careful to, you know like we've already said, not, not to imitate. That doesn't mean you can't appreciate the way that mm -hmm. other people speak. Um, mm -hmm. You know, not, not highlighting or drawing attention to the way that people speak. And, um, right. And maybe could you draw like a difference or give some examples maybe of like how, what's the difference between like drawing attention and then maybe actually having sort of like sincere um, interest and inquiry into in the way that someone speaks that differently. Is there, thoughts on like what's maybe in a way that's you know can be done in a in a way that's not um can be disparaging or that could be you know uh received well or um sure um and that's a tricky one too because i think i think people have different comfort levels right with right talking about that um if someone came up to me and wanted to talk about the way i speak i would you know i would gladly talk to them i'd love mm -hmm. to have that conversation but i know um i know a um a person at my work who um is from ireland mm -hmm. and um i i don't believe that i don't believe that she would be as um interested in having that conversation or, mm -hmm. you know, especially since a lot of people when, when they might want to, um, come up to someone with a foreign accent, they might, they might, like we've talked, they might start trying to put it on or imitate mm -hmm. and it almost mm -hmm. turns you into sort of a, a sideshow of sorts. Yeah. Sort of caricature. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. And so, I think maybe I would certainly say just just trying to be sensitive to maybe the the person and what you may mm -hmm. you know if if you want to have that conversation just um maybe try to get to know the person a little bit as much That's as you what can. I was thinking yeah yeah kind of going back to 
thinking more on sort of a, a individual level, not wanting to speak for people, but also like if you do have questions, yeah, like yeah, I think definitely kind of uh, getting to know them a little better and see if you know if that would be appropriate, how it would be received, rather than just kind of someone on the street that you don't know at all, and you know not taking any you know time to get to know if they would find it appropriate or not. Um, I think that maybe might be sort of the the way to sort of parse that. I'd be like, should I or should I? Is you know get to know them, see if that would be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's. Yeah, I think that's probably good. The best guideline I can think of. Yeah. I don't think a right or wrong way. Um, well, I mean, yeah, we've already talked about some wrong ways. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, just, but maybe not saying, "Oh my goodness, I love your accent," or certainly not saying, mm. I'm, "I've had this done to me before." Could you just keep talking? I love hearing your accent because mm. then you. You feel like right. someone is not paying attention to what you're saying, but instead how you're right. saying they don't hear what right. you're saying. Right. That's yeah. That's um, that's a good point. Yeah, we want to be we we want to be like heard. <laughs> you want our yeah. you know thoughts and ideas to be conveyed and understood. You know. So yeah, to to think that someone is is somewhat tuned tuned out to that uh, could be very much off putting. Yes. I guess uh, we'll try to. Uh, guess we'll we'll end it there. I think yeah, we covered a lot. Hopefully, I I'm sure this will be um, interesting to others. And like I said, the the first time you brought it to my mind, I was I was like linguistic diversity. What? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I kind of on the idea of sort of awareness as we kind of have kind of gotten more into the the sphere of talking about diversity i just hope that that will you know the linguistic side of things would also kind of come alongside that that we could just have more uh, awareness of because like we said we we all think about it sort of in a in a non-conscious way or if we you know we even in the conscious way we just maybe aren't as kind of critical thinking or kind of um just consider it in sort of the conversation so hopefully that uh, this can contribute to to bring awareness and just thinking more uh, in a considerate way of like um, coming to appreciate the own ways that we speak, um, but also coming to uh, appreciate, have a respect for uh, the ways that other people speak as well. And I always said it can be a beautiful, beautiful thing. And uh, we can kind of try to reserve our judgments on, you know, it being a, a negative thing when it's really just a, a different thing. Yes. Diversity, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I appreciate you inviting me on to onto your podcast um, because I think uh, I think having these conversations is probably the best way to um, encourage linguistic diversity and to make people more aware of um, the discrimination we may we may do without even realizing or without even mm -hmm. having that intent absolutely and I think we've all I mean, I can speak only again for myself, but I, there's certainly things in hindsight where I was like, "Oh man, I, that wasn't great of me." Um, so we're all we're all learning, we're all in process, but you know, there's the opportunity there uh, for us together to to be doing better. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you for tuning in to Mike the Mike. If you have any comments or have a suggested topic for a future episode, or if you would like to inquire about joining me on the podcast, you can email me at beckm.podcast at gmail.com or you can direct message me on Instagram at mikethemike.fm. You can find all those addresses mentioned 
as well as any related links and citations for this episode listed in the episode's description. Until next time, stay well and take care.